is uh, volume seven, me and Joe. So we're very excited today. We're going to talk a little bit about some cybersecurity, um, maybe some of the things I learned, and Joe can help me out there. Good to talk to everyone again. It's it's been a little while. Larry's been actually hitting the books pretty hard, so we'll we'll catch up with him on how his studies have been going and everything as well. And uh, Larry, I'm super excited to talk to you about you know any kind of questions you have. So my first question is that I've been really thinking about is why is Linux the operating system that is like the choice for hackers or the yeah. choice for where they build viruses and stuff? You know, I think that's an amazing question because, you know, especially when you're first learning computers, you have a lot of options. We were just talking about this right before this call, right? You've got Windows, you've got Mac, and you've got Linux. And, and there's a few other exotic things out there that a lot of people don't use, you know, in day-to-day. -day. Like there's, you know, IBM has a mainframe that some companies still use. But but for, for a home yeah. machine, you know, basically you have those choices, right? And I think a couple of it comes down to, if you think internationally, um, it you know, the whole world does not have the wealth and, and, and the money that uh, we have here. So a $200 piece of Windows, you know, that could be someone's entire month, um, you know, earnings in, in, a, in another country. Linux is free. There's no cost for Linux. So I think that is a big reason why uh, Linux is a, a choice for international hackers. Because when you're first getting into hacking, you know, if you're coming from, you know, if you don't have a couple hundred dollars to buy a copy of Windows, uh, you know, just getting that copy of Linux is going to help. So that that could be potentially one uh, reason for it. I think another reason for it is that Linux actually has a, a computer compiler built into it. So you could write some code and then you could actually make yeah. it into an executable right from the command line. It could actually compile the C programming language right into it. Um, you can't really do that with Windows unless you actually, you know, buy a compiler. So right. um, I think it, it lends itself to computer programming. And um, in order for a hacker to, like a, a good hacker, I'm talking like a really, really good hacker, in order for them to actually, you know, write malware, write a virus, um, you know, create an exploit shellcode, um, you're oftentimes going to have to know a programming language in order to build that. Now for the rest, that's like the top 1% hacker. That's like a really good, they, they write their own, you know, program. They're probably going to be doing that on Linux. The rest of us, the 99% of us that, that, that don't program, what we do is we basically go and we download the programs that those guys have written. Uh, and if you're a blue team member, you, you download those codes so you can actually see if your defenses can defend against it. If you're a red team member or penetration team, you're going to be using those programs that someone else wrote in order to attack some system. So again, there's like, you know, there's what's true for the 1%, like the people that are actually writing the hacking programs. And then the, there's what's true for the 99% of us that aren't writing it. And we're just downloading, you know, viruses or yeah. malware that other people wrote. Right. Um, so I, I think yeah. just having that language built into Linux, it has a, a big advantage. Now there's a third reason I think Larry, which is Linux, by definition, is going to be more secure than Windows for a lot of reasons. Um, when you run Linux, you're typically not running as a root super user out of the box. You're typically running as a non-privileged right. user. In most people's right. homes, they're actually running as a full local admin. And an admin can do anything. They can, they can modify oh. the registry. They can create programs on the C drive. They can do all that kind of stuff. In Linux, when you're not running as root you basically have access to your home directory 
And that's about it. I mean, oh. you, you can't you can't damage the operating system if you're not running as the root super user. On a Windows machine, oh, okay. most everybody runs with the highest possible privilege all the time. So when they make one mistake, they, they go to the wrong website, they open the wrong email, they just make they make one mistake and and their computer's basically owned at that point. That's not true with Linux. With Linux, you could open the wrong attachment, you can go to the wrong website, and the most that can happen is that virus is, is probably just gonna run under the context of your user account, but it's not gonna damage the underlying operating system uh, unless it's a what's called a zero day. A zero day is basically, yeah. uh, you know, it's a virus that basically targets a previously unpatched vulnerability in the operating system and um, generally speaking, Windows has more of those, many more of those than Linux or even Mac. Mac is actually built on top of Linux. It actually is called okay. Apple OS X, which is actually a flavor of Linux. So really, right. fundamentally, there's only really two. It's Windows or Linux. Mac just happens to be a version of Linux called Mac OS X, right? Um, right. Hackers, when they, when, they, when they want to run on a secure system, they're going to run on Linux um, because they don't want people hacking into them. So they have more control. They have a feeling of safety and security knowing that they're running like a okay. hardened version of an operating system. And they're just as paranoid as anybody because they know how easy it is to hack Windows. So they don't want to be like building their house on a shaky system, right? So uh, in the right. mindset of a hacker, they know other people are probably trying to get into their machine. So they're going to probably be running a pretty hardened version um, of Linux. Now, on, and they're going to have a, a version of Windows because they're going to want to have something that they can start testing their code against. So every decent yeah. hacker is going to have Windows, but they're usually having it in order to target and ensure they'll, they'll use it when they need to run Windows programs um, and stuff, right? And then have you've heard of virtualization software like uh, Oracle um, like uh, has, uh, I think it's called, uh, I'm flaking on the name. Um, it's, it's a virtualization software kind of similar to VMware and it'll actually allows you to run Linux inside of windows, or you can run windows inside of Linux. You can basically run operating systems inside of operating systems so that you don't have to have two wow. different machines. And so there's basically right. free virtualization, you know, software that you can, uh, that you can purchase to do that so that you don't have to buy more than one physical computer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Let me see if so I can look up the name I, of that. We learned about something called a sandbox. And yeah. I know you know what that is. Yeah. So do you do you practice that? Yeah, I do. A lot like... I do. Um, so sandboxing, you know, from a, a defensive standpoint, it's important to take... Like, like I just got a... I got an email from someone claiming to be a lawyer uh, the other day, right? And I didn't know them. Yeah. So they sent me a PDF and it was basically a subpoena, right? So do I open this PDF? Is it, does it contain a virus? Um, is it, does it have a zero day in it? Do I, do I really want to run that on my system? No, I, I wasn't expecting the email. I don't know who they are. Uh, PDFs are known to contain viruses. So that's, yeah. that's when I use a sandbox. I open up the PDF in a sandbox and I see, is it trying to harm the registry, the C drive? Is it trying to remake, make a remote call to an outside IP address? Is it trying to launch an executable or a script? 
what is this PDF actually doing? Because I wasn't expecting it from that person and you know, I don't know if it's safe or not. So we use sandboxing when we're concerned about something like that because that's the number one way. 90% of hacking comes from an email attachment or a website that you go to that actually has hacking code in the website that then takes over because of maybe a vulnerability in the web browser like Chrome, Firefox, Safari. Um, so you yeah. got to keep your web browsers patched all the time, like all the time, right. you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so as, as you see, I am learning a little bit because we were told before you, especially if you're working with a client or something and you suspect, well, if you suspect something, you should always use yours. You put it in the sandbox first that's before right. you mess up everything in that computer. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so test it out. Yeah, like have a, have a separate, you know, computer that you don't care about and you open it up over there and that way there's really no danger of you messing up your, your, the system where all your photos are, you know, cause you think about this, a lot of people, they'll have a ton of pictures, you know, that are on a computer, but it's not backed up anywhere. Well, if that computer gets ransomware, how much are all those photos worth to you? I mean, th those could be permanently lost forever if they weren't backed up. Right. And so you got to you got to protect the most important data that you have which is a home user it's probably going to be your photos you know there's there's not much more cuz you can never replace those right those are memories and, and everything so um yeah i so i keep my photos in the cloud so that no matter what happens on any of my machines those are you know safe <laughs> But They're then you, but the then, cloud. but then yeah. you got to protect your cloud account with, with a second factor of, uh, you can't just have one password. You have to have it send a code to your phone as a second factor, because that one password, if you're using that same password on other websites, and then those other websites get hacked, then they can get into your iCloud. We talked about that on I think episode one or two. Yeah, 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 we did, we did. So <laughs> what I, what, what we're also learning is, and. This is just for the regular households that, so you know your um, your internet provider, so your internet, and this is out of a radio signal. Sometimes people can have that up so high, so if I'm walking past there, uh, if I'm just driving in a truck past their car, yeah, and then it'll just pop up on my, like on my phone or, yeah. or on your, on your computer or something, and... Yeah. That can be a way that they start hacking in. That's right. So basically the FCC defined wireless home networks to only have about a 300 foot range. Um, and, the, and for every physical wall that you put in between yourself and that wireless access point, that actually shrinks yeah. the range that it can go. So if you have like four walls, it might not go the full 300 feet. Um, but if someone's got one single wall and they have their access point and you're driving by, you're gonna be able to get on their network if you know the password, right? Now, if if they don't have a password on it, then they're basically inviting any passerby to have free internet access, right? Um, there's yeah. a, you've heard of Edward Snowden? Yeah. So uh, in his book that he wrote, um, he said that when he was trying to basically uh, send all the secret information that he found. 
he uh, took his laptop and he drove around uh, basically finding access points that were not secured. And that's how he was transmitting the data that he, that he, you know, basically stole from the NSA. He basically would drive around, jump on a hotel hotspot or whatever, transmit it. And then he'd keep driving because then if they traced it, they'd trace it to a hotel, not his house. Right. You know, oh, that's smart. So, uh, so my second, well, my third question is, is it dangerous so you know if you go like to Starbucks or to a hotel and yeah. you use their uh, their internet because most yeah. of them do have uh, they can have a a, right. a password but so I don't think that password changes it yeah. might be the same password for a while so it is da- it, it is dangerous because um, if a hacker basically takes over that router you know then all your internet traffic is going to pass through that router. And you were learning about HTTP versus HTTPS, right? Well, if you're going to a non-secure website, HTTP, and a hacker took over that router, they're basically going to have your passwords. They're going to have any data that you transmitted. So, yes, that's a problem. There's two ways to sort of, you know, solve that. Number one, only use... um, websites that have the HTTPS, that's one option. Um, There's a browser extension that you can add to your browser that actually forces all websites to use HTTPS. That's another good option. I think it's called like HTTPS Anywhere. It's like a browser extension you can add to your web browser. And then the third option is use VPN. So if you put a VPN on your laptop and you connect to someone's Wi-Fi, then all your traffic is totally encrypted even if a hacker took over that Wi-Fi access point, they won't be able to read any of your data because you're all, it's like a tunnel. All your stuff is, is going through this encrypted tunnel and the hackers can't look inside of it because the packet itself is encrypted and is protected. So, you know, those are a couple of things you could do to protect yourself when you do join uh, a Wi-Fi. Uh, access point. The other options just don't join the Wi-Fi and just use your 4G, you know, connection. You, the, you, ob- yeah. you clearly don't want to use 5G because that's how you get COVID, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I think 5G is the cause of COVID. It's <laughs> pretty funny. Oh my God. That's very funny. Oh my God. No, so this is all the things that we're learning now in school. Just the things that you're, that you're, uh, that, that you're letting me know now. Right. Those are the things that we're starting to learn, and I know it's kind of like still baby stages of things. Sure, sure. But uh, you got to start somewhere, right? Yeah, you got to yeah, start, start somewhere. Right yep. And, and I'm starting to understand those things, and you know, I didn't, I didn't know. Well, I, I did, I knew, but I didn't really understand. When you when you're walking like and you like a bunch of people's just internet uh, uh, providers come up like my neighbor's house and this neighbor's house and this neighbor's house and if I was a hacker you know I would just ride around and find find one that's that's unsecure and then just yeah. get up into their get up into their network absolutely and that's that's why you know it's important to have a good password on your uh, wi-fi router um but even yeah. if you have a good password on your wi-fi router 
Um, did you know that hackers can still get in even if you have a good password? Um, basically, there's there's a lot of hack. So we talked about Kali Linux, right? So Kali Linux is a version of Linux that's preloaded with tons of hacking tools on it, tons. And some of them are are Wi-Fi hacking programs that allow you to basically, what they do, Larry, is, is they'll listen to all the wireless traffic. So you'll be like hearing your neighbor's traffic, you'll be hearing your traffic, and it's recording all the all the traffic, right? And then when it looks at the key, the SSID, like the uh, the WPA2 encryption key, it stores right. it, and then it can actually start guessing passwords against it and just hammering it. Brute, it's called brute force, right? So right. if a hacker listens to your WPA2 key and they install one of these cracking tools, they'll eventually be able to get your password with enough time if they want to. So yeah. it's 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 gonna happen if someone wanted to get in bad enough. So, you know, um, some of my, um, you know, some some people I know really really suffer from some mental illness mental illness. You know, like like paranoid. You know, super paranoid stuff. And I always have to remind them, look, you know, the government isn't driving around your house trying to hack into your to your wi-fi right i mean they're they're not you're not if, if you're not like doing anything plotting it or whatever you're not on the radar they don't care so you know you you can't like let that keep you up at night knowing that someone can get in you just have to do the best you can and then what you have to do is build layers of defense so you do the best password you can on your router you got to keep that router firmware up to date because if you let if you if you don't keep the if you don't keep upgrading your firmware and if it's on an older version, then there's going to be you know programs out there that can hack in because you're running a vulnerable you know code. So keep your browser up to date, keep the operating system up to date, keep your Wi-Fi router up to date. So to get into your Wi-Fi router, you got to go to 192.0, is typically right. the address of the router or something like that you'll bring up the administration page and then you'll go into the update section and you'll say check for updates or you go to the manufacturer's website and you go to the download section and you download the latest update and you got to do that regularly. So right there we have a problem because most people don't do that, right? No. No no one does that unless you're in IT and you you know the risks. But let's say even if you're in IT and and you know the risks... How many guys are really doing that? Guys and gals are doing that regularly. They're they're they're, they're just not. So, not. so you got to you just got to know that the advantage will always be to the attacker because all they have to do is just find out where your weak point is. You're either weak here or you're weak here or you're weak here, and so, you know, you gotta you gotta do what's called assume breach. You have to assume they're gonna get in. So what you have to do is take your most valuable information that you care about the most. And you got to make copies of it. So put a copy on a USB stick and keep it unplugged somewhere. Put a copy in the cloud and then maybe a copy over here. So the the best practice in in government is to have three copies of your most valuable information um, and have one cloud, one, you know, offline, one over here. And that's the best you can kind of do because it's kind of inevitable that they're going to get in and, you know, and get it, you know. 
Yeah, if they want to. If they want to, if, if you're a target. Um, yeah. Now, what's motivating these people? The money. If they can get ransomware on the machine, right now the, the average fee is about $700. And as an American, you could probably swing that. You know, you got a credit card. You know, most people can probably put that together. And they know that. They know you can. And so they're not going to make it a $50,000 thing because they know you're just not going to pay that. But they'll make it just enough where it hurts, but you still want those photos, right? And so most people pay the ransom because they, they need that data on their computer because they're not backing up. So that gets us to the fourth principle, backups. You know, you know, keep the browser patch, keep the operating system patch, keep your Wi-Fi router patch, but you got to have a backup of that data because you, you know that that ransomware is coming because these people in these other countries they got to feed their families. So they're, they're just choosing a life of crime to do it. You know, it's just, it's going to happen, you know? Yeah, no. So, I mean, the, the crazy thing is, is that what we learned in school, yeah, you could pay that, but it's not a hundred percent. You're going to get back. That's right. It's a 50, 50 shot. It's a 50, 50 shot. Because do you think these people basically have any kind of morality at all? If they take the money, or is there any guarantee that they're going to take the extra time and give you the encryption key to decrypt it? No. You know, the, the only thing that you have going for you is that if word got around that they would never give you the key, then no one's ever going to pay. So they, they have to basically keep the reputation high enough where word doesn't get around that they won't give you the data. So right now, it's, it's about a 50% chance, maybe a little bit of higher than that. It depends on which crime group you're dealing with. There's crime groups in Russia, China, North Korea. There's crime groups here in the United States. There's crime groups everywhere. And so depending on which one you're dealing with, you might not get it back. The other problem is this. A lot of people don't know this, Larry, but if the size of the data file is over a gigabyte, then you can't get the data back because there's a problem with the ransomware and the decryption where the size mm -hmm. of the file being too big they, the, the decryption uh, tool won't do it. And so people lose oh, wow. their data if the size of the file is too big. And that's happened. Um, that's There's some public um, evidence of, that that's happened. Yeah. Oh, my God. Man, it's, I mean, it's getting more. I mean, as, as you see, I mean, you use the words that I understand now. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the most important yeah. thing more than anything is backup. Because if you have a backup, you don't need to pay the ransom. So let's yeah. say let's say you you didn't uh, patch your router, you didn't patch the computer, you didn't do all those things we talked about, but you backed up your data, you don't got to pay the ransom. So that's really the most important thing than anything is backups. Yeah, because then you can just do you can do a clean from your your computer, wipe everything down, and then just plug everything. That's back. exactly right. Yeah, you can start over. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so so I so got I got to ask do you have your most important data backed up? Uh no I don't. But I don't have a lot of pictures. So I have them mainly on my phone. Right. And uh actually I'm going to back up my wife's stuff tonight, Michelle. Good, good. I'm going to back up her stuff and yeah. and all that stuff like her and stuff. I'm going to go and get her like one, I mean, you can buy one. They're very cheap. I think like sixty bucks or something. Oh, you, you know those USB. Yeah. You know the you know the USB sticks. Yeah. You can get them at uh, Office Depot uh, for less than ten dollars now. 
Um, and it, it'll it'll t- it'll handle most of the most of the, like 64 gig or 128 gig. Uh, we're talking 10 or 20 bucks now for those uh, USB sticks. Oh wow! Yeah, but you got you got the what what what's the 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 extra hard hard. Uh... You can you can do those. It, you know, if if you if you have a ton of data, absolutely. But um, those those little those little sticks now they hold so much data now. You can probably fit most of it on on the 64 gig or 128 gig. Yeah. Oh okay yeah I'm gonna yeah. do that I'm gonna do that for uh, for Michelle just back all her yep. stuff up in. Now did you sure did you ha- did you know Larry that there's uh, such thing as ransomware for phones? Yes, and I know it's coming out, and I don't think they use it as much yet. But I think yeah. On it's, Androids, it's on Androids, it's a problem. It's it's not uh, that big of a problem right now on on iOS. But on Android, it's oh, okay. a it's a big problem on Android right now. You can if your photo oh, wow. if your fo- if your photos are on your Android, you can you can actually get ransomware on there and lose your photos. Oh wow! Yeah, I better I better get a little USB for myself. I might be Office Depot. I will be seeing you. So yeah, or go. or you back it up to the cloud. Um, that's probably easier because I think you can get free. You know that you know the Google uh, Photos. Yeah, I think you get like twenty five gig, or you get a lot of photos on Google for free. So you could probably just take your if you install the Google Photos on your Android, you can say back up to cloud, and that'll it'll take your photos up there. And that's as long as you have two factor authentication on your Google account, then you're all set. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm a, yeah. See, there you go. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that one. I I didn't know there was that advanced yet. Oh, absolutely. I had a feeling they were getting it. So two years ago, I attended a conference in San Francisco called the RSA Conference. And I attended a full eight-hour day on, on how people put ransomware on phones. Wow. It was, it, we had experts from uh, Homeland Security, FBI. Uh, there was uh, speakers from McAfee, um, speakers from uh, all over the world uh, that came into that conference talking about this problem of, of ransomware on, on phones. Wow. Yeah, that's 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 crazy. <laughs> totally right. <laughs> Joe is getting crazy out here, but I I mean, I'm learning so much. It's it's my head is exploding half the time, but uh, I, it's still like it's, it feels like I don't know anything, but I know a few things. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I, I know a few so and I'm I'm glad because you're. Um, how you explain everything it's it's it made it a lot clearer good good i'm glad to help man glad to help yeah so that the 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 light bulb is flickering joe it's not all the way twisted (laughs) in and on yet but it's getting there (laughs) i appreciate it man you know um well so what do we want to talk about next time do you think uh i i think uh next time we should talk about just um, you know, how, how, how to really, for the most part, like you were saying, how should we secure, uh, how, how you should secure your phone and, and your, your home and mm. yeah, you know, and like with a client, how do you, what do you tell them? Hey, you guys need to make sure you have your backups together. 
and yeah. stuff like this, your your updates, your IT people, make sure they're updating everything. And yeah. Maybe I think people will be interested in, in, in hearing that because absolutely we, we talked about the you know, you got you got your you got your malware, you got your your your, your viruses, you got your worms, the Trojan horses, and we know how they get in, you know. Yeah. And that's how a hacker gets into your computer. So we know how they get in. You know, and it's hard to get them out when they're in there. But I mean, what what do you do? Do you just do a, a whole clean wipe wipe everything? You, you back up if you have your, if your backups together, you can wipe out everything and just reinstall everything. Is that the best thing to do all the time? You know, it's a good question, I, and I like the question because you're recognizing the fact that the computer you're using may already be hacked. Yeah. And, and a lot of people haven't come to that realization yet. And that realization, there's a name for it, is called assume breached. And if you're right. if you're assuming that you've already been breached, then you could actually take action. But if you live in a world of denial, assuming that everything's safe, then the hackers are going to maintain um, their status quo. They'll be in there and they'll do whatever they want. So, you know, it's not practical for people to be wiping their machine all the time uh, because time is valuable and people just aren't going to really do that. So I think if you just kind of know, we're going to, you know, maybe talk next time about a threat model. The threat model is knowing who your enemy is and what they want. And what they really want right now is a consumer is they want to put ransomware on your device because they think you haven't backed up and most people don't back up. So as long as you're backing up, you can live relatively at peace knowing that, hey, if, if I got hacked, all my data is on the USB or if it's in the cloud and they, you know, it can happen because you have to just know what's going to happen. Right. So I think that that's probably my biggest advice to people. Um, and we'll kind of get into that is what is the threat model? Now, if you're operating a business and you have a credit card machine, they're going to want those credit cards. Right. So it's a different right. it's a different threat model. The different people are going to come in for different reasons. So you got to look at protecting those credit cards, you got to look at other stuff. If you're in healthcare and you, you operate like maybe a, a small like healthcare clinic or something, uh, hackers are going to want those social security numbers because those those actually get sold on the dark web for value. You know, there's value in uh, right. in, in those health records and stuff. So, yeah, that, I think that'd be a, a good conversation for next time for sure. And what I'm hoping we can yeah. do is if you watch those videos I sent you, we could do some more lab exercises and get you yes. some... We, we got to get you more hands-on because yeah. the, the, the talking is great. I love the conversation. The, the books, the tests, all this stuff's really, really good. But Larry, you will make the most progress when you're doing the hands-on labs. And that'll separate you from the rest, especially when you go in for your interviews. And you, you basically, you know, if you have 10 other people that are at your level and they have the same experience, everything, but you have a lab and you could show them what you did in the lab. As, as a manager, as a hiring manager, I'm going to hire you every time over everybody else because you demonstrated that you can do the stuff as opposed to people that they didn't even take the time to build the lab. You know what I mean? Like right. they, they didn't even show the interest that they that they sacrificed their own time at home and, and, they, and they built it. That shows passion. It shows enthusiasm. So it, it's not only going to help in the interview, but it, there's no there's nothing better for building skills you know, than the lab. So I think we should do more lab work, you know. Lab work would be the next. I got one more question before we leave. Sure. And I want to know if this is true or not. So 
we learned that to have good security, you have to have money in cybersecurity. So saying yeah. for this, this is what we learned. <laughs> this is what we learned. So you can have like Norton or something. That's just a, a okay right. security system. Right. But security systems cost money. Yeah. So they're saying it costs money. So the more money you spend, the better security you have. Um, you know, there's some truth to that, Larry. Um, I also learned something that, that I'll share with you that I learned when I was studying, um, which is never spend more on security than the value of the asset that you're trying to protect. Okay. So what is the value to that business of protecting those records? Like if they had to rebuild them from scratch, how long would it take them to do that? Have a cost in mind for that. And don't spend more on the security system than the value of that asset that you're trying to protect. So yes, you do have to spend money, especially in a business. Um, you just have to keep it pro proportional to the value of the asset that you're trying to protect. Always keep that in mind because it it wouldn't make sense to, to uh, you know, actually, I'll, I'll tell you the best analogy. Um, you know how like uh, when you move, you got to put stuff in storage because not everything fits in your house. I mean, that happens to all of us, right? Mm -hmm. So when I moved from Texas to California, um, we had this like beautiful dining set, beautiful, like long table. It was gorgeous because you can get a big home in Texas, right? But when you come to California, yeah. you, you got to downsize because you're not, you're, you know, <laughs> it's not happening. So we were thinking, okay, let's put this thing in storage. And, um, so it, it was going to be like 144 a month or whatever. And I did the math and I said, I figured out, okay, what did I pay for this table? And how long am I going to stay in this apartment? And if I stay in this apartment for more than two years, then that's going to, that storage fee is going to cost more than that original table. So I made a decision now, even though I love the table, I have to sell it because I know I'm probably going to be an apartment dweller for a couple years. And so, um, right the same principle should apply to security. You, you should go into it knowing, okay, um, I've got this asset that's worth $500,000 to protect. I'm not going to spend a million dollars on a security system. I'm going to spend something proportional to the value of that data. It's like a life insurance policy. You know, it's like, it's like any other kind of insurance policy. So I think if people look at, you know, the dollar investment to protect in proportion to the value of getting hacked, you know, I, I think that will help um, keep the budgets reasonable. And, um, right. you know, if, that, if that's how I would kind of answer that question, you know. Okay. <laughs> I got you on that when I knew it because I was wondering that came up in the test and I got the answer right. I was just wondering what's like the general thought in a yeah. definitely in a cybersecurity world. But yeah. I, I get it. I get it. Hey, guests, thank you guys.